Thank you, Gihan. I have um, been in church from birth. And I'm very proud in my 47 years to be the only speaker brought up to speak, you know, and share the words of God that has been introduced on the basis that he's full of it. That's uh, <laughs> what a distinction. I'm so touched. Um, yeah, so touched. Look, uh, you, um, you don't have to apologize for being emotional. Um, let's open up this. It's a good thing. It's a great thing that you're doing and, and it's great to see men and brothers here gathered together and, and coming away. We need to do this. You do have to apologize though um, because I've been sweating for weeks, sweating literally for weeks on what I was going to say because Gihan said, mate, I want you to talk. I want you to talk about living in the kingdom and you've got four to five minutes. And I'm like, how am I going to fit in a talk in four to five minutes? So I, I better not waste any more time because I've probably only got two left. Uh, is it four to five minutes, yes? Is that? 45. Oh, 45 minutes. Oh, dear. Um, okay, well, I've got two quick points and then we'll go to Q&A. So um, uh, let me unlock this and we'll get going. So like Gihan said, um, I'm happy. Like, Actually, let me just start with this. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else could we go? Your disciples said. Where else could we go? You literally have the words of life. And so we just simply pray, Father, this morning and Holy Spirit, be with us. And as David said, search us, O God. Know our heart. Try us and know our anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, I'm going to talk uh, on living in the kingdom and um, I'm uh, yeah, really encouraged to be laying a, a bit of a foundation, I guess, for Graham. I can't wait to hear what Graham's going to share later. And Daniel, so I'm just the entree. I'm probably some honeyed carrots or something, you know, or some garlic bread and Graham's going to bring bring the, uh, the real deal later and, and Daniel share obviously tonight too. So, um, But I'd really love it if there's something um, that I touch on that you want to ask a question about and please, please do put your hand up because at the end of the day uh, we have come here to get away, to get out of our normal rhythm and to say, God, well I certainly have and I hope you have too, God, let me go away with something new. Let me go away with a new word from you. I don't know where you all are at. Um, I've Just a, a bit of background on me. I've spent 16 years in the Air Force. I've done about eight years in business. I did three years of charity through COVID, which was quite challenging. And I'm currently working in politics. And um, it's a challenging space to be in, if any of you watch the news. And so, but if you're in that space, um, and if you need a word from God, he is a father who can give his sons a word. He, is, he, he sees our life from beginning to end. He made us. He knew us before our parents even conceived us, right? And so we should be getting this from him. We are who we are in him. And we need to hear that from him. We, we need to know from God um, how he sees us. And we need him to guide us. And his word clearly says that he'll do that for us. So I'm going to set a little bit of context um, and that's kind of the military part coming out of me. We always want to see, you know, what the context is, what the structure is, what the battlefield is, if you like. Um, and so I'm just going to um, go through three points today. And the first one is, what is the kingdom? When the Bible talks about the kingdom, what does it mean? 
uh, then I want to move to how does the kingdom of heaven see us? How does God see us and what were we made to be? And then we'll go into from that, what, are we, what have we been called to do? So what is the kingdom? What is our identity and what is our purpose? And as I'm saying this, I want to ask you a question that I was asked fairly early in my walk. Um, gave my life to Christ when I was 19. Um, and one of the questions that I came across through one of the influences in my Christian journey was simply this. When you read your Bible and you read the stories of all these heroes of faith in the Bible and, and whoever they may be for you, you've got heaps to choose from, how do you see them? Why has God put these people in the Bible? Why has God done what he's done through these people? What do they mean to you? Are they exceptions or are they examples? Now, the importance of this question is if you read your Bible and you study these people as exceptions, they're exceptional people, so there's not a great deal of relevance to you in 2023. They're just someone that was very special and they did something in an era past and it's great to read about and you can get wisdom from it. But if they're examples, then strap yourself in because, and that's what I take them to be, is that they're examples that God can take any person and do amazing things through them, amazing things. And I don't know about you, but I'm living in a world where we need people who are carrying God around with them as they go. There's so many hurting people out there today our culture's in the middle of a war that's just, quite frankly, insane. So, um, so exceptions versus examples. And if you don't mind, let's agree that God has given them as examples. So some of my heroes, um, maybe my favorite one is Gideon, because I identify with Gideon. Uh, I kind of wasn't close to my dad growing up. He was a pastor. Um, we, we just didn't connect. And, and um, my mum died when I was 14, and, and he sort of abandoned me at 15, and, and I, I left home and lived in a uni hostel. And and I sort of grew up as a, a bit of a misfit and, and you know, I've gone to a lot of different places in my life. But, um, and so I really identify with Gideon saying, hey, God, you've come to the wrong house. <laughs> you know, you need to go a few doors down. There's some really special people there. You know, I just can't do this thing. I'm, I'm not the guy, you know. And, and, uh, and yeah, so he, he's one of my favorites. I also love David. I, I particularly love... Um, the way that God must have been connecting with David when he was young. And this is a reminder to us, you know, as we uh, raise our own kids or as we're in communities and our uncles or, or you know, uh, fathers in the faith and mentors to young people around us, to, to have them encounter who God is as young as they possibly can. And, and God bless my dad. One of the things he did was he got me in the Word. I read my Bible the first time when I was eight. Um, he always had me working through Proverbs. Um, he always encouraged me to do that in my life. And even though there wasn't a lot of emotional affinity between us, he, he laid down the instruction of the Word of God into my life. And, and I just, I hadn't given my life to God, but I knew, I remember being seven, eight years of age and knowing that God was the creator of the heavens and the earth. And, and so, um, so and, and David has obviously had this encounter with God because there's no teenager that I know that can survive an encounter with a lion and a bear. Um, and so God was doing something with him. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's a, a long-winded intro um, on examples, just in terms of heroes. So, um, so what is the kingdom, living in the kingdom? Um, I 
was raised in a Methodist church, um, came to faith in Uniting Church, and I've been in just about every church um, since. I've travelled and lived in other places of the world. And I've, I've come to my own conclusion, having done, you know, no official study in, you know, tertiary colleges or anything like that, but, but I've needed to find this understanding for myself of what am I dealing with here? What is this existence that we're in? And so I'm going to just change it a little bit because we're not really living in the kingdom. What we're living in is a reality that is the intersection of three kingdoms. It's three kingdoms because the kingdom will come and when Jesus does return, then things will be made new, things will be restored and we will see things as they were meant to be. But we're not living that right now. Go walk into the city and, and you will see that we are definitely not living in the kingdom of God. And so we're living in the collision or the intersection of three kingdoms. So obviously the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that God created um, intentionally for our good to, to enjoy with us and the kingdom that we essentially chose not to remain in by virtue of the original sin of Adam and Eve. And we've all sort of remained in that somewhat under the curse of sin and death even to this day and so um, but yes the kingdom of heaven where God is um, perfection uh, all-knowing that so that's a pretty obvious one then there's the kingdom of darkness okay scripture talks clearly about it we won't go too much into this today but needless to say if we if we neglect this when before Jesus got into his ministry what's the first thing that he faced he faced an absolute test by an enemy who believed that he could deceive the Son of God, maybe trick the Son of God, tested Jesus three times in the desert. So, and Jesus came across it numerous times in his ministry, people struggling with some kind of oppression from that kingdom of darkness. He was able to identify that and he had control over them. Okay, so it's there. Um, I'll leave that for another time for people to study uh, and decide what that means to them. But we do have an enemy. You know, the devil prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Okay, so we do have an enemy in our story. This is why almost every story written in mankind has a villain. Right? They all do. All the stories have a villain because our story has a villain. And so the third kingdom is the kingdom of the world. Okay, and the, the Bible clearly talks about um, the kingdom of this world. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, offer your lives um, as living sacrifices. This is your reasonable act of worship. This is a reasonable response, you know, to what God has done for you in Christ. And don't fit into the patterns of this world, the kingdom of this world. Don't fit into it. The message says it this way. <clears throat> don't fit in so easily that you do it without thinking. Don't get on autopilot here. Because the, uh, if you go through the Gospels and some of the other references, Paul in Romans and Corinthians and other places, the kingdom of heaven is completely different. It's, it's almost like living upside down to fitting into this world. And this world desperately relies on us not fitting into the kingdom of this world. Verse 2 goes on to say why that is. And it's because when you don't fit into the patterns, you can understand what the Father's will is what is his heart you know and then what do i do about that okay so so this is vital it's vital that we understand and we can we can somewhat um help others as you know people are out there with no knowledge of christ they have no knowledge of god 
<clears throat> everyone's without excuse we can see the created order it's staggering it's beautiful and yet so many people living without the knowledge of God without the understanding that he wants to come close to us and so this idea that we can comprehend what is going on in the created order and and walk in these things with wisdom is very important because as we do that as we discern and understand the father's will in his heart <clears throat> we can be somewhat like Christ who and this verse staggers me for the joy set before him was willing to endure the, the cross scorning its shame the joy of the kingdom of heaven which was to come he was willing to go through what he went through right so we we need to be able to live with this sense of vision um, what is going on in my life and I honestly don't know where I'd be I don't think I would be, um, I don't think I would have achieved the things that I've done in the past. Um, when I, when I um, left school, I, I joined the Air Force because I, <laughs> I was happy just to um, work at Woolies and play footy on the weekends. I, was, I didn't have any parent figures in my life and I was happy just to bum around. But thankfully, I had someone that kicked me in the bum and said, you need to go and do something. And so I joined the Air Force and they straightened me out. And I know that God was with me. Even before I'd given my life to him, I, I just, the, the way that he got me into that place and the leaders that he put around me and the people that, that came across my path to bring, bring me back into faith, he just looked out for me. And I left after 16 years because the hard, longer you stay, the harder it is to leave. And I went into business and, and um, I worked for the company here that put taser weapons on police officers and I built the business that... Um, put body cameras on police officers which was um, a great honor and a privilege I, I really I believed in what I did I wanted to make things safer for the public and for police I wanted to make things better and that was kind of God's kingdom in me you know even though I was working with people who were just pretty much largely motivated by money or sex that was largely the motivations of the people that I worked for I just wanted to make a difference and that, that didn't last very long. I was only there uh, about six years because we were completely out of kilter on values. But everything I did, I had not studied business. I'd not done even, you know, a short course on business or marketing or anything. But when I walked that out, it was my journey with God that gave me the wisdom to build business. And it's the promises in Scripture of understanding His kingdom and knowing that he has equipped me, he, ha he has equipped me for my journey through this world. And that's not to say there's, there's nothing wrong with going and studying and asking for wisdom. God says that he will give it to anyone who asks. It's good to study, it's good to grow, it's good to learn. I'm just saying that the things that I achieved, and, and if you want, for those that measure, I don't think any of us are like this, but for those that measure in worldly terms, the business that I built were somewhere between 100 and $150 million over 10 years. And... The money's meaningless, but it all came back to God's promises. So um, that's just how I've lived my life when I came into charity and worked in a Christian charity again. You know, it's funny because we built a strategic plan in January of 2020 and then COVID hit um, <laughs> and the strategic plan went out the window and all we could do was seek God. That is all we could do. And why not? Seek God, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. So um, that set the scene, uh, these, these three kingdoms. Uh, now I've got some scripts, oh, so some of those thoughts that I mentioned about, you know, understanding the larger story that we're in, that comes from a little resource called Epic, um, 
encourage you to check it out. It's, it's very affordable. It only costs a few dollars from memory. It's written by John Eldridge. Uh, Rob Meats, who some of you know, has done it as a study in his men's group over in Maribyrnong. Um, it's also a great little tool to give teenagers coming through to help them uh, define what is this world they're coming into because surely you guys know as well as me, this world is throwing everything at these kids, everything. We came up in such a good time, you know, um, well, most of us that are over 40, you guys that are under 40, you can tune out, but, um, but uh, you know, bikes and, and running amok and getting out in the bush and playing sport and causing trouble <laughs> for our siblings or our parents. Like we, we had an active childhood and we didn't have, well, I didn't have at least, um, you know, media, TV and channels and, and then devices, you know, 17 devices and, and, uh, and social media and, and then... Um, and, and porn. Porn is a massive problem for children today, and not just boys anymore. It's everywhere. It's, it's causing terrible things in kids. So, so we need to be having a sense of what are we, what, what is the nature of what we're living in, and standing our kids up with some strength to say, hey, because they're not going to get this at school. Right? They're, <laughs> they're going to get other things at school, sadly, um, and hopefully that improves in the near future, because honestly, some of the things that are going on in school are madness. But um, yes, this is our job. This is our job as a circle of men to call these younger men up, boys and teenagers, into manhood and say, you need to have a sense of where your foundation is. This is where we're anchored, right? We're getting through this world. We've all got to reach the end of our days one day, but, but we, we see this age that we live in and we see that we have an enemy, but we are absolutely putting 100% of our chips on the kingdom of God. We're all in. That's it. That's our only hope. And our kids need to see that kind of faith in us. So, um, I have taken uh, a whole bunch of verses down and, and I'm happy to share those um, in some way later. Um, they're, they're just some of these things uh, that the kingdom verses that Jesus shares right through the gospel. So there's a number in Mark 4, Matthew 13, Matthew 20 and 22 and 25. These are things like you know, the, the kingdom um, is like a sower who sows seed and it produces a crop. Or the kingdom is like a mustard seed. Though it be tiny, tiny seed, it can become the biggest of trees, right? Um, Matthew 13, the kingdom is like um, a man who entrusted um, his dominion to servants and gave them talents and they had to be faithful with it, right? So God's explaining all of these things. The kingdom's like treasure in a field. You know, the man who saw that this was the one thing that he wanted. Um, and these, these ones are somewhat um, easier to understand. Uh, the ten virgins and the oil, the wedding feast. Uh, wedding feast is an interesting one. Um, everyone is invited, but a lot of people knock it back. And some even kill the servants that take the invites out. This is the world that we live in, you know. Um, it's a kingdom of forgiveness. So... Yes, I can um, share all of all of those things if people, but you can find them in your Bibles as well. So, now there's some more complicated ones though. So Matthew 11 to to tw uh, 11 verses 11 to 12 um, talks about John the Baptist and says, "There's none greater than John, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John." And Jesus is using these parables to challenge people because they'd been led for centuries by people who understood the law but didn't perceive 
what the kingdom of God was actually like. They used the law to exploit others, and it's almost the opposite. And this is why these people who are heavily steeped in, in um, uh, using the law for their own, their own profit could not see Emmanuel, the Messiah, standing in front. They could not see him. They could see he had power. They could see he had wisdom. They could see his goodness, and yet they could only believe that because of his challenge to them that, that he must have had a, a demon, they say. Um, he says in Matthew 18, 1 to 5, um, if you want to receive this kingdom, you need to humble yourself like a child. You need to receive it like a child. And, and, and when you receive children in Jesus' name, you're receiving his kingdom. Uh, he talks about being faithful with what, what is given. Um, he talks about in John 3, 3 to 8, this kingdom is a kingdom of water and spirit. We must be baptized in him. And, and he has given us his spirit. And that is a huge change. Uh, and a physical change as well. When Jesus dies on the cross, he completely changes that old order. Tears the curtain and changes where one person, one high priest, used to only be able to go in on the people's behalf. And created an, a new era where God could draw near to people again. Everything changes. Um, a few more. Um, Paul says in Romans 14, 17, it's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, he says this kingdom is not a kingdom in word, but in power. And in Hebrews 12, he says it is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's very, very different, okay? And I'll come back to Romans 12. We, we, need, to ha we need to have this on a heart level, not just, not just in our heads. We need to not just understand this. We need to know this. Because um, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't understand this and if we're not offering our lives, then... And we literally can't discern the, the, work, the will of God, like it says in Romans 12. So we, we've got to get these things. Now, <clears throat> having said that, Jesus took his disciples on a journey for three years. For three years, they walked with the Messiah. And he demonstrated his love for people, his kindness. The words that we see written about him were echoes of his actions. John says, we can't even contain all the things that he did. So vast was it you know, how many things that he did for people. So he, his words are echoes and the disciples go on this journey and if you read your Gospels closely, you'll, you'll perceive that the disciples do not get it right. They do not get it right. And so where we are on our journey today, I can 100% tell you one of the reasons why I come asking for something from God today is because I need something from God today. I'm still on my discipleship journey. And even Paul, one of the greatest teachers of all time, you know, struggled, you know, with a thorn in his flesh. We, none of us are ever going to be perfect. And so we need to take off the pressure of sometimes we read the word and go, well, I've just got to be that. I've got to do that. But no, it's a journey. And Daniel's going to speak about that later. And so we need to take that pressure off and, and take any facades off that we've got to aim up to this because it's not about that. It's about becoming this. It's about walking in these ways with Jesus. And and you can see this um, in the disciples' journey with Jesus because when he celebrates the Passover with them, 
he doesn't just teach us about the sacraments and about what he's about to do for us he he actually reveals something about peter and it's it's not a comfortable moment for peter and and peter does what probably every single one of us would do jesus i'm not going to deny you i'm with you like i'm absolutely with you and so i often wonder if jesus in that moment had have said oh sorry if peter had said in that moment jesus what do you see in me what is it what what's but he had to go through that journey and when you see how jesus comes back to peter after his resurrection and restores him peter's actually back doing this the same thing he's back fishing where he started he's gone back to fishing and so and jesus comes and meets him there and you can see the change in peter because jesus does the same miracle i don't know if ever anyone's noticed this but jesus does the same miracle and um it's the, it's the miracle of the fish but in the second miracle and for some reason jesus hasn't made up with peter since he was resurrected when peter realizes it's jesus he ignores the fish and he swims to shore and jesus restores him it's a beautiful moment of scripture and it's a reminder to us that even when we get it wrong jesus pursues us jesus love pursues us and, and peter did get it wrong the bible says that if you deny me before men i'll deny you before the father and yet the love of christ pursued peter and restored him so god's wanting us you know to open our hearts it's a kingdom of goodness and kindness it's a kingdom of humility we said it's a kingdom of forgiveness so we don't have to resist the work of god here we don't have to try and do this in our own strength we need to have his kingdom in our hearts and and be growing into that year by year by year so let's move on um again if someone wants to ask a question or raise something go for it um, shoot your hand up so I want to challenge some of the thinking that I got when I was coming through church because there's a lot of language and I've been asking men this by the way over the last six months there's a lot of language in terms of how we understand what is the journey that we're on we've come to the church and we've given our lives to Christ we've repented we've turned from our ways and but how do we define that journey that we're taking because <coughs> here's the language that I typically get <coughs> and some responses are better than others but the, the first level is essentially slaves. We were slaves to sin, but then we're bond slaves to Christ because he rescued us out of that. We couldn't save ourselves. We were done. You know, so, <clears throat> so that's the first level. Um, and that is, you see that when a person turns, initially turns, and the joy that comes to them and, and that new life. But then as we're welcomed into discipleship, we're given the invitation to become servants. Okay. And this is a good thing like even to to spend eternity being a servant in the kingdom of god i mean i'll take it if that's on offer i'll take it <laughs> versus some of the other options um if you know we don't belong to that kingdom i'll take it i'll be a servant <clears throat> and so there's value to that and some of these kingdom examples really clearly talk about the expectation that the father that the king of heaven has that you're going to be responsible he's made each and every one of us totally unique there's no one like you there's no one like me well thank jesus for that Gihan. so <laughs> but there's no one like you <laughs> and so you know one of my favorite verses in scripture is romans 8 19 and i think it's particularly important right now with the the struggle that's going on in the world it says all of creation groans all of creation is groaning for the revealing of what for the revealing of you you sons of god 
okay? Heaven desperately wants to see us well up with the character of Christ and walk in confidence because we know what heaven's like. We know the joy. The, the Bible, I only understood this verse in the last year of my life. I, I'm slow. So you, all of you guys are really intelligent. I am like super slow. I still completely haven't got considerate pure joy when you face trials. I'm sorry. Trials bug me. God, I don't know if I prayed for like infinite trials in my life, but um, you know what I mean? But I am slow and it's taken me a year to realize, only this last year, to really comprehend that the joy of the Lord is my strength that the Father actually sees me becoming more of who He made me to be. He doesn't take joy in my suffering, but heaven is joy. There is joy in heaven because He sees me standing against the things of this world and going, for all the temptations and, and all the easy roads or shortcuts I could take, no God. The struggles in my marriages, the times I've been tempted to go to someone else because my marriage is just at rock bottom, no God. I refuse to go back on my vows. And even the small things, heaven is looking down going, yes, yes. And, and that God knows it's hard. Jesus knows what, what we go through, the temptation and the suffering. And so, um, so becoming servants, it's, it's, it's very important. And, and we need to, to continue to walk in that. But it's not, it's not all. That's not all there is, Okay. Jesus called his disciples, okay? And, and he taught heaps, but he, he raised his disciples and he instructed them, you go and make more disciples. You go and do what I've done and go and make them, right? And so these are the typical responses um, that, that people understand for the most part, you know, normally servants or disciples. And most people, if I ask them about their mission, it's kind of defined in that. And it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's, it's clearly taught in many places in the Bible. But again, it's not all there is. Okay, and the importance of this is in how we come across to the world, which is what God longs for us to do. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but He's not coming out of heaven to do the work. He's left that to His servants. It's clear in these parables, okay? So what is the last invitation He gives His disciples before Jesus leaves? Because it's not just discipleship. It's not just discipleship. I'm, I'm looking for a shift in the relationship. He moves from discipleship to something else. And you can... F it's not functional. There's a lot, of, a lot of holy and healthy function that comes out of discipleship. It's right. But Jesus shifts the relationship. He says, you can finish this because you know this verse. I no longer call you servants. What does he say? I, now I call you friends. Now I call you friends. The reason is because they are moving from that place of just being disciples to this really taking on in their hearts. And, and, and you see it some, some of the times when they're not fully through this journey. <laughs> Where else could we go, Jesus? You have the words of life. We can't, like, what, what else could we do here? You know? But these guys walk on into the further decades of their life and they're willing to give everything. Everything. They couldn't kill John. That's, I find that quite... <laughs> amusing actually and I don't even know what that is I'm going to ask God one day but all of the other guys were willing to give everything that that's how much their hearts are for there's nothing left here like give me all the money in the world give me every pleasure that there is it all comes to an end all of it right and then we have to stand and and 
and report back to the master on what we've done. And um, Jesus clearly said, I came to seek and to save what was lost. And one of the tragic things, it says in these parables that, that there are people out there, and then we can reach them, by the way, hopefully, some of them at least, maybe. There's people out there who are doing really, really well. But the kingdom of heaven is upside down from the kingdom of this world. And they've got to think about where they're putting their stocks, you know. And so more often than not, we're dealing with people who are lost, who are struggling, who have need, you know. And so I want to extend you this invitation because I feel like it's extended to all of us. And it depends where you're at in your journey, by the way. So if you've been walking with Christ for some time, I think we're offered that invitation. Thank you for your service. Like I, I lived a life of service. It came out of my grandfather being a war veteran, and I, and I loved serving, right? There is something really honorable about serving. But who doesn't want to be a friend of God? Like, is that on offer? And, and I, I can honestly tell you that I would not have got through the challenges of my life, some of the devastating challenges of my life, some of which still go on. I'm still in some, some really tough things at the moment. But if I couldn't go to God as his son, and this has been a mammoth challenge for me because my own father didn't really want to know me. But if I couldn't go to God and trust him with the details of my life, I don't know where I'd be. I honestly don't know where I'd be. Before I knew him and was a reckless teenager, I nearly killed a number of my friends in a car accident. We hit the only tree in 20 meters that could stop us on a 30 meter cliff. Um, and I was, I was angry and I, and I was reckless, but, but God has, has um, he's just been too good, more than I deserve, way more than I deserve. And so this is where uh, what I'm walking through right now is, is God has invited us to be his friends, to not just go through the steps of what we think is discipleship and servanthood, and it's not wrong, as I said, but to actually go beyond that. And, and to really become like Christ, to become like his sons. Paul talks about the spirit of adoption with which we've been welcomed into the family of God. And so this is, this is a heart thing. You know, th this is not just, um, you know, going through the motions and learning and figuring something out. This is, this is something that goes way beyond that. And I'm going to share some stories about this because um, <laughs> my father was an evangelist as a pastor and... Um, when your dad doesn't really want to know you as a son, that doesn't set you up to be a passionate evangelist because you feel like, well, dad, you kind of care more about heaven than you care about me, and that's not how it should be. You know, deacons, pastors, etc. And no judgment to, by the way, but man, love your children. Love your children. They desperately want to be affirmed. Um, <clears throat> but so I've gone out there in, in my military career and I've shared my faith to people, right? I've gone out and I've tried to reach them, tried to understand where they're at, and fairly fairly unfruitful and maybe i'm doing it wrong because like i said you guys are all more intelligent than me but <laughs> maybe i was doing it wrong but i want to tell you this story because I, I witnessed to a number of people and i was serving in my local church and i got a bit frustrated because i was like god i'm, I'm trying to do what you've asked me to do but I, I feel like i'm doing it wrong and so this was november 2009 <coughs> and maybe it was november 2008 i think and I, and I decided to change my approach. And I simply said to God, look, if, if you want me for anything, you can use me. I'm available. That's my prayer. 
whatever you need me to do. And I kept serving in church and I kept leading the military Christian fellowship on the base I was on. But I just made him that offer. And nothing really happened. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But one day, and I'm a, I'm a sergeant at this time, one day I went to the sergeant's mess. And this is a, uh, we, we get to sit separately from the lower ranks and um, we don't have to sit with the officers as well, which is good. Just, just a place where we can meet and have lunch. And I'm sitting at um, this lunch table with a guy who was in my team, but he was a different trade. And um, if you understand trades, they don't always mix. <coughs> and, um, but um, big strapping guy, Oppie, his nickname was. And um, so we, we'd both grabbed a steak and we're sitting at the table eating lunch. And I didn't really know him. He didn't know me. Um, and, but we're just making small talk. Anyway, he's mad into all these adventure sports, sea kayaking and long-range dirt bike riding and rock climbing. And so he starts telling me about, oh, Paul, do you, you know I've been you know, doing all these things? And I was like, oh, no, no, I'll be, no, I didn't know. And he goes, yeah, I've been doing all these things for years, you know, they're really exciting. And uh, normally I really love them. But lately, I've been struggling with these debilitating anxiety attacks. And I'm thinking, mate, I've got a steak with mushroom sauce. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> like this, this doesn't happen, you know. And, and partly because we work under um, a military categorization, okay, that says A1 says you can deploy, you can go on exercise, blah, blah, blah. B category is you're probably injured or something. C, C category is you might actually be recategorized re and, and you're out. <coughs> so your medical category is really, really important. So he starts telling me this stuff and I'm thinking, why are you telling me this? You know, and he goes, yeah, I've been having these panic attacks and I can't breathe. I can't function and, and I'm really worried that if I go and tell someone in the Air Force, they're going to recategorize me and, and you know, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, you don't know what to do. I'm like, I just want to eat my mushrooms on my steak and like, this is lunch, bro. You know, I'm not telling him this, obviously. And I literally don't know what to do. And all I could think in that moment was, God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Um, and because I, I hadn't had this kind of connection with someone I didn't know. And then something happened that I haven't experienced before, but I felt this message in my heart and God said to me, I want you to give Oppie a message. And I'm like, oh, far out. Like, Oppie doesn't see I've got a nice steak with mushrooms. God, you don't see I've got a steak with nice mushrooms. I just want to enjoy my lunch. Because now I don't know what the message is. God didn't tell me what the message is. But now I've got to make a choice. Do I offer this message to Oppie or do I just go, oh, that's really tough, mate. Look, I wish you all the best, which is what some people do. <coughs> So I work up the courage and I turned to him and I said, hey, Oppie, um, that, that is a really challenging thing that you're going through. And thank you for honoring me, for trusting me enough to share that with me. I, like, I'm a little bit staggered that you've done that, but thank you, you know, and, and I'll keep your confidence. But I said, I, I really don't know what to do for you. I'm just at a loss, mate. And, and I don't know how much you know about me. I'm a Christian. I believe God made the world. He made the world for us, to, to be with us. And, and while I'm sitting here going, I don't know how the heck to help this guy, I just prayed. And this hasn't happened to me before, by the way, certainly not over a steak at lunchtime. And I just asked God if he'd like me to give you uh, what, what I could do. And he said that he'd like me to give you a message. And if you want to hear that message, I'm happy to give it to you. I don't know the message. I don't even know what I'm going to say. 
And so I cut this piece off the steak and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to look like such an idiot. And Oppie turns to me and says, Paul, what is the message? And I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, I just had words. I just had words to say. And this is, I still remember, <coughs> this, is what, this is what the message was. Oppie, God is looking for you. He is your father and he loves you. And he loves the fact that you love these adventure sports. He loves that you're going out and doing all these interesting things. And the reason that you're going out and, and having this anxiety when you're doing them is because your life doesn't have him at the center. And he doesn't want that to be that way for you. He wants you to find him. You can enjoy these things again, but he wants you to find him. He wants to be the center of your life and he's searching for you. I turn to Oppie. He's got tears streaming down his face. We're in the sergeant's mess. It's like, that's not how it works. And um, just that single little act of courage and choosing to, to cast my heart on, I didn't know what to do, but to cast my heart on what God wanted in that moment. My dad left me at 15. Oppie's dad left him at 14. Oppie's father was a Methodist pastor, same as my father. And God had brought our paths. We, we weren't even friends. We didn't work together. We were totally different trades. And God used that moment to bring Oppie beautifully back into his kingdom. He didn't go to church. <coughs> okay. And I wish I could say that I've had that moment a hundred more times. I've never had another moment like it. I've had some other great moments where I'm just praying and, and asking God. And, and even now, I, I don't know about you guys, but in this last year, I've had such way more permission to connect with people and provide hope. People are so desperately longing for hope. And so <clears throat> I'm going to close on that and, and ask if we can recalibrate on one thing. Because I, it doesn't matter what I say to you. I want you to get something from the Spirit of God. And it's from this word that Jesus gave. If a grain of wheat should fall to the ground, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it won't die. But, but if it does fall to the ground and die, it will produce a crop. It will yield 30, 60, even 100 times. We were made to live fruitful lives. God has sown that seed into our lives. And, and that can happen in, in a whole heap of ways, right? There's ways that we feel comfortable doing it, but sometimes the, the work that God does best is when we're out of our comfort zone, <coughs> okay? You can't live the life of faith inside your comfort zone. Show me, I mean, I'd love to if someone can, maybe, again, I'm, I'm not that intelligent. Maybe I haven't worked it out. If, if I can stay inside my comfort zone, taking so many crazy risks, we're meant to be taking risks. <clears throat> Getting outside your comfort zone and taking risks scares the hell out of you. But maybe that's the point, right? Maybe that's the place where God does refine our character. So I want us to recalibrate on that and, and with also these words of Christ. If anyone should seek to save their own life, you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, you will find me and you will find your life. It doesn't matter which one you choose, both people lose their life. So lose it with Christ. Lose your life with Christ. Let him help all of us to yield that seed of our life into the ground, into good soil, so that he can make it fruitful. And I, I really pray that he gives you a word in your language, in your heart, for your journey 
that you'd all be fruitful. Sorry, last word. <coughs> Something I'm really passionate about, and it's so beautiful to see men gather like this. We need more of this. We need more men in this. And as generations, I want to encourage you, younger men, receive instruction, grow in wisdom. Commit yourself to growing in wisdom. The Bible says if you would ask for wisdom, God will generously give it. My gosh, ask God for wisdom. My life would be better if I had more wisdom. <coughs> and you guys that are, that are um, my age or thereabouts, 32 or so, <coughs> 47, I want, to, I want to ask you to consider this. Consider this, this kingdom culture. Consider this kingdom identity because this world is stretching us. It nearly broke me. When I went and pursued the things of the world, when I built that body camera business, it nearly destroyed me. I, I spent five months of my life where I did not want to live anymore because I had sought after significance in the world and the Father was trying to protect me. It hurt like nothing else. I, I, I really thought my story was over, but he was trying to protect me from chasing significance in the world. Please do not go with the things of this world. Live your life with capacity. Pull back from the world. Find rest. Figure out what the priorities are and build in some time to seek first the kingdom and, and do it now because we need to spend the next 20 years of our life, friend, I'm calling it friend touring because I don't, I'm not real fussed on mentoring, friend touring, sort of vulnerable mentoring um, both ways and, and, and leading these younger guys on. Leave some room. I've got five or six guys in my life who I'm actively pursuing younger men make capacity in your life and older men we need to work this out because we need you we need your counsel we need your wisdom we respect you we look up to you we don't always tell you with the affinity that we should but we're so glad to have you around us because we're still trying to figure things out at 30, 30 oh, 47 okay um we're still trying to figure things out we 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 want to hear from you and, and we want you to speak into that story. So in all of that, wh wherever you are in all of that, let's continue to connect together and continue to make a difference in our community, putting that seed in the ground and trusting God for the rest. In Jesus' name.